Welcome to For the Record with Daniel Fontaine, where we focus on civic and urban issues impacting New Westminster and beyond. For the Record puts it on the record, when and where it counts. Now let's begin. Welcome to another edition of For the Record with Daniel Fontaine, and it's going to be a great show today, good podcast. I have with me today City Councilor, uh, New West Progressive City Councilor Paul Minhas. He's going to be on the program. We're going to do a special council roundup for the January 22nd council meeting. It's the one that you may have seen on the news. I believe it was on Global and a few other media outlets um, talking about um, what many folks are referring to as the Dubai debacle debate. So a lot of alliteration there, but uh, it was, uh, we were talking about Dubai and a number of other issues. So Councillor Minhas and I are going to go through uh, the council meeting, the workshop in the afternoon, which um, we're talking about budgets, we're talking about train whistle cessations, we're talking about a new uh, e-bike program in the city of New Westminster. We're going to fill you in on all of the various items that, that came forward. But for me, probably one of the most exciting parts about today's podcast is we're getting the chance to launch Bell or Buzzer. It's going to be a new feature in Council Roundup where I ask some uh, tough questions of Councillor Minhas. He gets multiple choices to pick those answers and bell or buzzer. And he gets either a bell or a buzzer, depending on whether or not he gives me the right answer. And the theme for the inaugural bell or buzzer game is going to be, you guessed it, Dubai. Dubai. So we're going to have a few questions for Councillor Minhas, and we're going to see whether or not he got a bell or he got a buzzer when it comes to our skill testing question. So without further ado, it's time for me to welcome Councillor Minhas to the podcast and we're going to dive right on into the January 22nd council package. Here we go. Councillor Paul Minhas, welcome back to For the Record. Uh, On today's podcast, we're going to be focusing in on the January 22nd New Westminster City Council meeting in a workshop that took place in the afternoon for our listeners give them a little bit more information. This is the second uh, opportunity we've had to do kind of a council roundup. It was very popular. It was one of the biggest downloads that I've had on For the Record for the podcast since I launched it. So it was um, very popular. It looks like a lot of residents like to get a little bit more of a deeper dive into what happened at council. So why don't we jump right on into it? Because there's lots of stuff to talk about. Let's start first with um, the afternoon workshop. So we had a couple of items in the afternoon that we uh, started talking about, one of them was a big one, and that's the budget. And the budget um, has gone through a process of a bunch of different meetings that we've had. Maybe fill our listeners in on kind of what did we hear about the upcoming uh, budget tax increase? Well, thank you for having me, Daniel. And um, yeah, the workshop, uh, a lot of interesting stuff. And uh, um, at the end of the day, um, at 77 um, it's quite high, especially this day and age, uh, when people are struggling left, right, and center because of inflation, high cost figures. Uh, I wasn't too happy with it, and we tried for a lower amount, but uh, that uh, did not work. Well, it's actually a record amount. Uh, 7.7%, I believe, is a record for the city of New Westminster, the highest ever property tax increase for which you and I have both voted against. And, you know, Somebody summed it up for me really well in the last day or so, and they said, you know, while our mayor is in Dubai, the people who live in the city are trying to get by. 
And they were, you know, they kind of captured it and they said, is it Dubai or getting by? And, you know, so many people, um, like uh, one of the residents who came in and talked to us about her utilities and spoke to council very passionately about how even 10 or 20 or $30 more on her utility bills uh, were making it a struggle for her to, to, um, to make ends meet. And here we are now talking about a record 8% property tax increase. And, and Paul, I don't know if you can remember the facts and figures. I'll have to go back from memory, but I think you're a small business owner. I think for an average small business owner, it was something like almost $200 more a month in after-tax income that that small business owner will now have to pay as a result of this 8%, uh, almost 8% tax increase. Uh, very true, Daniel. Uh, again, as a small business owner, um, the cost keeps rising and rising. And it's not just for me, but across the board, not just in the Westminster, but the Lower Mainland and in Canada. And even uh, the delegate that came and spoke, um, uh, spoke very eloquently and um, put it out there, like how difficult it is. Uh, you're right about the mayor going to Dubai, um, but there's a lot of other lessons right next door to us. In Poco, for example, um, Mayor Brad West, uh, uh, the taxes are lower. Uh, the f uh, amenities are uh, spectacular and the mandate that they carry out as to what they do and how they do from providing uh, extra parking spaces in the downtown core in Poco uh, to a lot of, I mean, even uh, the snow um, uh, uh, removal, removal mm -hmm. thing. They did a fabulous job of that and uh, I'm very proud of what they're doing and their taxes are so low. Mm -hmm. I don't see why ours have to keep going up and up and up and the residents and the business community have to suffer. Mm -hmm. Well, um, you've kind of given a bit of a prelude to a motion that you're bringing forward to council um, in a couple of weeks. And it was on the docket on, on January 22nd, but not for debate. It'll be coming up in a couple of weeks, I believe on February 5th. And that motion you brought forward is to actually, um, I know we've, we just sent a delegation to Dubai, but you're asking for a delegation to go to someplace a little bit closer over to Port Coquitlam to maybe learn from Mayor West and their team how they're doing it. How are they keeping taxes low? How are they focusing on core services? How are they um, able to do all of this in this, this environment that is so close to New Westminster? It's literally a stone's throw from us and yet a whole different way and approach to taxation and to delivering core services. You know, uh, it's kind of funny. Our footprint wouldn't be that high. And uh, You mean the carbon footprint? The carbon footprint won't be high. And uh, I think uh, we don't have to go overseas or somewhere else. We can look. Uh, right next door to us and see um, the kind of fabulous job that a city like Poco is doing. And, and uh, you know, um, uh, you have to give credit where credit is due. And in this case, we have a, a lot of things we can learn from our neighbors as to how to get things right and move forward that benefits all our residents and business community in the West. Yeah, perhaps in closing this, um, it is worth noting that Besides the fact that Port Coquitlam does focus on their core services, keeps their taxes low, their residents don't pay an extra 3.5% cli climate tax on their Very hydro true. On, yes. on top of that. So, yeah, uh, it was an interesting discussion on the budget. We, we voted against it, but it is, a, it is moving forward now. It did get approval from a majority of council, and pretty soon that, that almost 8% tax increase 
is going to be hitting the pocketbooks of every uh, resident and business owner in the West. You're very right. Uh, we did vote against it, and um, it did get approved, uh, and we lost uh, 4-2. Paul, we also in that afternoon had a discussion on Lower 12th. Uh, there was a discussion in the workshop around uh, the area of redeveloping. That's an area where a lot of people forget that part of the city of New Westminster. It's just um, kind of south of Brow the Hill, kind of in that lower part of 12th Street. Very kind of gritty. It's kind of got some warehouses. It's kind of got some stuff and staff. Did a, a very brief presentation uh, to us just about um, some visioning for that. Did you want to fill our listeners in on that? Yeah, I think it's a great idea to to develop that uh, land over there. Um, it's quite um, quite an area that can be uh, enhanced uh, with uh, you know uh, small business community as well as residential and other amenities that we can provide to the residents uh, of New West. So uh, I think it's a good project to move forward. And uh, let's see what comes out of it. Yeah, I agree. I, I really appreciated the staff presentation. It covered a, a lot of ground. I mean, I was a bit intrigued with Councilor McAvoy's comment that he's seen a few of these kind of big master plans come before and he's not sure kind of where they go. So, uh, of course, you and I and, and Councilor McAvoy, others will will monitor this closely and uh, and have a keen interest in wanting to make sure that we redevelop that area and that it's a vibrant, um, you know, exciting place to to live and to work. And there's some some great opportunity for us there to use some old, unique buildings to perhaps uh, create a, a, what was it, funky, a neighborhood? I think the word funky was the, na- the word that came up. You're absolutely right. Uh, you know, I think uh, collectively we, we have to have the vision. Yes, these projects have come forward before in the past and they haven't been um, come to fruition. But at the end of the day, we have to uh, take in a little aggressive approach to developing that area and making it uh, more vibrant uh, in the downtown core as well as uh, create some liveliness and and uh, uh, more uh, um, an area that people can use a lot more. Yeah, people want to go. Yeah, exactly. Awesome. Where you want to be, where you want to be seen and uh, be part of the community. Yeah, great work on the part of staff and look forward to seeing Absolutely. where they go. Absolutely, great work by the staff. Now talking about the evening council meeting, there was a lot um, that was packed into that agenda. It was a a number of reports come in. um, And I think it's important to note for our listeners who don't perhaps, you know, watch council as closely as we do. There is something called a consent agenda. And there's a number of reports that get put into a consent agenda. And it means that basically if we don't pull those out of the consent agenda, they all get approved in one vote. And so... Uh, a number of reports did get pulled out. And I'm going to start with the um, uh, the items that were not on the consent agenda, but were items that were carried forward from the previous council meeting. The first one was the citizen, or sorry, the community advisory assembly, otherwise, or previously known as the citizens assembly. And that's, uh, I believe, 36 individuals who were selected in the city to form part of this mother or uh, of all committees, like a master committee. It's a very large committee of 36 people. And, and topics will be coming forward to them. They're going to be getting feedback uh, and giving feedback to council on these topics. You and I have voted against um, this particular model from the get-go because we were concerned that a number of our standing committees were being folded into this and that there wasn't going to be the opportunity for the public to engage in, in, in certain select areas 
as they have in the past. So just to put that on the record, that we we, we haven't uh, necessarily agreed with um, the, the this model. But that being said, this report came forward and, and we asked a few questions about um, process and how it was going to work and maybe fill some of our listeners in on that. Yes, <clears throat> Daniel, um, we did vote against this. Um, of course, the smaller committees were eliminated and this larger uh, committee of 36 people. Um, but to have consensus, uh, um, it's going to be very, very challenging. There's a lot of other challenging aspects to this model. Um, and I definitely see a lot of problems uh, moving forward. Um, and uh, we had quite the discussion, the debate, um, but at the end of the day, it got, it got passed uh, forward. And uh, um, let's see what happens. Paul, I, I found it quite fascinating that uh, when we started delving into the details around this particular committee, around the consensus model versus kind of a voting model, and I had already asked questions about it, and I had been told that this was going to be a consensus model. But we did learn on Monday that it may not be a consensus model. So it's actually uh, looks like it's going to be up to the committee to decide. I don't know if it's going to be by consensus or by vote, uh, whether or not they want to go with a consensus model or a vote model. So that'll be interesting to see how that all Definitely. works. It's, uh, it's going to be intriguing. Uh, it's intriguing, and uh, I will tell as to how this is going to move forward, uh, but very fascinating. Yeah, and some of our colleagues commented, and I'm not going to dispute that, but our colleagues commented on how, uh, at a minimum, at least the committee is, uh, you know, fairly reflective of the broad base of New Westminster. So they've um, highlighted a number of things. I have heard, you know, from from some folks from within the community that perhaps it didn't have enough voice of our kind of elders or older generations. There's There's been uh, folks who have commented, but Generally speaking, um, you know, staff made the attempt to to balance that out, and there was a report that did come to council. And you know, the long and short of it is, we've got our committee there, and they're now going to be actively doing their work, and they're going to be reporting back to council. Interestingly, I did ask about how subjects get put onto the agenda for the citizens' advisory council, and it looks like that's going to come either through staff or through the citizen assembly members themselves. So it doesn't look like the public's going to have an opportunity to bring, which I thought was interesting. Yeah, I mean, uh, we need to have the public uh, engagement. It's very, very important. And uh, to be transparent, it can't be just uh, certain people on the committee or the staff. I think it, there needs to be a broader dialogue mm -hmm. and, and conversation in regards to whatever the topic is. And uh, so... Um, Let's see mm -hmm. what happens. We did just kind of to close this part of the, the meeting up, we did um, find out that the terms of reference are on the city's website. So if, if anyone's listening, they want to learn what the terms of reference are. We also learned that they're going to be open meetings. So if the public wants to sit in and although there's some of the venues, it's going to be rotating and changing. So make sure to check the website to see where the next meeting is. They may have limited number of, of public um, seating. So uh, to make sure that you perhaps call ahead to see if there actually is um, seating. So we did ask a lot of those questions as well. It looks like there's going to be like 10 meetings um, throughout the year in 2024. Very aggressive uh, agenda in terms of a number of meetings that are coming forward. So we, we did learn we did quite a bit. Yeah, the staff had uh, good information in regards to all that. And I think it's important, like you said, uh, please do... Um, uh, register to uh, go and sit in and listen in these meetings. I think it is uh, very, very important that the people of New Westminster uh, do get involved and um, and and uh, have the, have their say in it.
And I have been asked by the public, and unfortunately, I forgot to ask that question at the council meeting, and perhaps um, you know, I, I will follow up with that. But around live streaming, whether the the actual uh, citizen assembly meetings are going to be live streamed, I don't think they are, but. Um, uh, but something that the public can, and I will definitely follow up, and then maybe at a future podcast. Absolutely. You know. I think it's another way, if you can't attend in person, at least they can, uh, uh, you know, watch on a live stream or uh, zoom in if that's mm -hmm. possible, mm -hmm. uh, and they can get engaged. Now, talking about train whistle cessation, um, that was another topic, another information report that came forward, and that was... You and I, when we first got elected, that was one of the first topics we brought forward to council, really hit home the fact that we felt that this was languishing and it wasn't moving anywhere. It was not, I believe it was a former community first trustee, now resigned, now I think Ms. Beatty's left the city. Uh, but she was the one that made that infamous statement about the train whistle noise in Sapperton and said if people... Um, thought it was too noisy, uh, they might want to follow her lead in just getting triple glazed windows. And I remember that raised a few eyebrows in town when she yeah. said that <laughs> a little bit, um, I would say, disconnected from her neighbors who are impacted by the train whistle noise. But but some some progress we're seeing on some crossings and then uh, some yeah. other, yeah. It's been very slow. Um, and it's uh, dejecting when, when things are not moving forward fast enough especially when something like this that has been lingering for such a long time. And I think um, we have to find a way collectively uh, to address this issue for the people, the residents, uh, the business community of uh, Sapperton. Um, and and uh, uh, hopefully uh, we can find ways and, and try to move this forward faster. Yeah, faster is the key thing. I mean, when you think about the noise that the people who are living in Sapperton have to live with, and there's a daycare there right next to the train track. We hospital. Hospital. Um, there's so many um, kind of critical facilities that are right next to this train track, and, and we built them since, we, of course, we knew the train tracks were there, but uh, they were kind of built with, I think, the understanding that at some point train whistle cessation would happen. That's right, and it hasn't happened, and it's just... Uh... Uh, so slow that uh, uh, the frustration is clearly um, felt by uh, all of us in the council, um, and and uh, especially coming from the from the people, mm -hmm. uh, day in day out they have to put up with this, and it's not fair to them. Uh, the well-being of these uh, young children in the daycare or the hospital, the patients, uh, the employees of the, the hospital, or just the residents there, uh, they all feel uh, you know. Um, I mean, mm -hmm. we all have the challenges in this. So if uh, anyone's interested, they can go to the website, read the train whistle cessation report. It does speak to one of the crossings, um, some complications around CN Rail that we may end up having to to make an appeal on. It's uh, I think it was, it was it was referred to as a surprise by staff That's right. in terms of what CN has put forward, which could delay the um, train whistle cessation at a particular crossing there in Sapporo, the Spruce uh, crossing. So you and I will continue to move forward. And I did, uh, I did communicate publicly in the meeting that um, if staff need any political support in terms of us, perhaps, uh, or the mayor um, talking to the minister, if, if it needs that, I, I mean, I think uh, we're all, we've all been clear. We'll do whatever we can from the political front to help the staff when they're doing their, their work directly with the, the real Absolutely companies. right. Uh, I mean, this uh, is a collective effort. 
and uh, you bringing this point forward uh, was very crucial. Uh, we have to all collectively work on this and, and try to find a solution uh, as soon as possible. It's absolutely a nonpartisan issue that I think right. all of council agrees we should, That's right. we should address. We also had a report, uh, 4.1, uh, titled Addictions Treatment and Supportive Recovery Residences, Proposed Conditions Related to Rezonings and Temporary Use Permits. That uh, came up to Council, and uh, I pulled that report because it was in the consent agenda, and I did pull it. And we did have an interesting back-and-forth discussion with the staff, and I'd encourage everyone to go online and look at the video if, they, if they're so interested. But we talked about these recovery houses, first of all, the incredible work that they do, the last door, other um, uh, you know societies that work within our city who um, provide an incredible service to people who are suffering from addiction and to be able to help them to get on that road to recovery. So what we did talk a little bit about um, the benefits of concentrating some of those sites together and also perhaps the benefits of distributing them kind of around the city so they're not all concentrated. Many of them right now are in Brow the Hill. So what was your take on that conversation? Uh, I think uh, you made some very valid points there, uh, Daniel. It is very true. A lot of them are very concentrated in, in certain parts of the city. Uh, Brow the Hill, downtown area. And, uh, uh, you know, these uh, societies are doing a wonderful, marvelous job of uh, trying to do the best they can uh, based on their resources and everything else. And it is important to also point out that it could be spread out throughout the city instead of rather just being focused in uh, certain parts of the city like the brow of the hill or uh, the downtown area. Yeah, and I think that uh, staff heard that and did indicate that that their preference would be that it not necessarily be all concentrated in one area. So there is definitely uh, an openness and, and an interest in That's right. Yeah, talking to the proponents on that. Uh, we also had a couple of other quick items that we won't get into today, but there was uh, item 4.2, the child care facility lease agreement at the Thomas Out at the new um, uh, community center that's being built um, to replace the old Canada Games Pool. So we didn't get too deep in that did not get pulled, but that got approved as well a construction noise bylaw exemption for 651 Carnarvon Street at the provincial courthouse. And that too did not get pulled. So that meant that that was automatically approved through that uh, that single vote. An item that did get pulled was the e-bike share implementation plan, item 4.4. And looks like we're about set, probably next spring, to get e-bikes uh, into the city of New Westminster. And um, I raised the issue of making sure that unlike Evo, which is not available in the West End and in Queensboro, I made a very strong point of saying that I wanted to make sure that Queensboro was not an afterthought in this in this project and that it was put forward um, and that there were enough bikes in Queensboro to make sure that the residents of Queensboro had access to it. But what was your thoughts on that whole debate discussion? Actually, your point about the Queensboro was uh, absolutely dead on. For far too long, Queensboro has been uh, neglected in a lot of different things, uh, even uh, a turf field or something like that, or uh, the lacrosse box and uh, you know other amenities. And I think uh, bringing Queensboro or like the way you said it, it should be spread out throughout the city, not just in the downtown core or the uptown or certain parts of the city. I think um, every community and neighborhood in New Westminster uh, deserves um, um, these uh, facilities and uh, whatever 
uh, we're bringing forward in this case uh, the e-bike program um, I think it's a great idea and uh, um, I wish and I hope that it spreads and it is throughout the city I uh, concur with your assessment on that I, I did publicly state I think e-bike shares are, are good I do put a caveat on it and so did some members of council just around making sure that like I've been to other cities uh, where they've had these e-bike programs Paul and and you know the, the cautionary note that everybody I think who spoke said that we want to make sure these bikes are not dumped into like alleyways or they're not dumped into like side streets and that people who have perhaps uh visual impairments aren't tripping over the bike so we we did as council uh, mentioned a number of those items and staff I think duly noted that but um, that is if there's any concern that I have on this uh, or one of the larger concerns it's that those issues. You're absolutely right uh, I've seen it personally myself uh, whether these e-bikes e are just uh, left behind uh, in different parts of the city and they're not returned back to the proper place they should be returned and uh, that is a major concern on so many different levels and I'm hoping that the staff can have some sort of a leeway with uh, uh, this program um, with the people are responsible with this program, uh, where we can address certain things that need to be addressed uh, if they're not working out right. uh, for for our city. Yeah, and last uh, on this topic, I did raise the uh, there's a there's a charge for every time you use these e-bikes. Excuse the pun; it's not an electric charge, but just a charge, a fee that I think is 15 cents per trip that's being put onto this um, uh, this bike share program. And I did explore with the staff whether or not uh, council has the ability to increase that, decrease it and stuff. So all those details, um, we know it's going to be 15 cents to start, uh, but all those details I think are going to be coming back to council before. But it looks like if everything goes according to schedule that in the springtime, we may have some an e-bike program in the U.S. I'm looking forward to it, Daniel. I think it'll be great uh, providing um, uh, the city also implements in such a way where it is beneficial to all the residents uh, of New Westminster. How about this? I expect that you'll be the first. I will do my best. You will be the first commuter. I would love to. <laughs> I'd love to see that. That'd be awesome. I'll join you. I'll be right behind you. <laughs> I'll be right behind you. Item 4.5 on the uh, evening agenda uh, was the financial statements audit planning report for fiscal year ending December 31st, 2023. doesn't sound very exciting because it's like, oh my goodness, it's a financial statements report. But it does talk about our audit planning. And one of the things that you and I did during this report, we noted that still we're, what, 15 months into this term of office and we still don't have a finance and audit committee at the city of New Westminster, which we know is not only good practice, it's best practice and and we should have um uh you know that finance and audit committee yet we put a motion on the floor we asked for our colleagues to support uh establishing a finance and audit committee with three members of council as well as our cao our chief administrative officer and our cfo and uh fill in our listeners as to what happened uh daniel has a small business owners um one of the biggest things uh, us owners and management have to worry about is about numbers, numbers, numbers. It's all about the numbers. Uh, and for me, it's, I'm just absolutely flabbergasted uh, the fact that we don't have a finance committee. It is so important. Uh, it is so vital um, for a survival uh, on so many different levels as a small business owners. 
So imagine the amount of money, uh, the revenue that comes into the city. And like you said, best practices. And to have best practices, we need a team, whether small or a little bit larger, but we definitely need a team uh, to to stay on top of this and follow certain um, procedures and policies and be absolutely transparent to the point of, um, you know, uh, like you said, best practice. Yes, I am a firm believer in having a finance and audit committee. I mean, especially when you consider that for the past two years now, it looks like, well, for sure, last year and then again this year, we're having record level high property tax increases. <laughs> we're looking at almost 8%, as we said earlier this year, and I can't remember what it was last year. I think it was in the neighborhood of 7%. So that's a lot of... Uh, money and and our budget is you know in excess of a hundred million dollars and to not have that oversight and not um, kind of have that ability for us to provide that extra guidance to senior management in terms of expenditures and stuff I, I don't know I just didn't understand yeah, why it wasn't supported I, I'm, I'm, like I said I'm, I'm absolutely flabbergasted and why it didn't get supported um, but time and time again uh, I cannot say this enough and both both of us we have brought this forward before as well that it is vital for us uh, to have this committee uh, an oversight uh, overall uh, that needs to be implemented and mm -hmm. uh, we need that well and the and the newest progressives the political uh, party that we're affiliated with is very committed to core services making sure we get our core done like you said like 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 brad west uh is doing in port coquitlam and other other mayors and so uh i thought this finance not a committee would perhaps help us to uh, we, we still don't even have, I don't believe, a definition of what core services is. I think we had this debate at council once and we <laughs> couldn't right. figure out. That was a what, while ago. That's a while ago. Like, yeah. what is a core service? Services, and there was yeah. this huge debate that broke out in council in terms of what a core service is. And to me, that's a that's a red flag. And, you know, uh, whenever I'm talking to the residents of the business community, they constantly keep bringing up these uh, things about core mandate that we should have in the city hall. And, yes, uh, it is very important to... Uh, find a way to implement these. Uh, and people are not asking for much. Uh, they just want the basic services. And then uh, we we need to uh, have a committee like this uh, to make sure things are being done in, in a proper uh, manner. We just talked a lot about finances at the city and this next item on the agenda, speaking of finances, 4.8, report back to council on September 20, September 11th, 2023 motion regarding the Samson 5 oil spill. <laughs> and I know that's been a topic of discussion here, but uh, Paul, um, Councilman Ness, could you fill in our listeners as to what the cleanup bill was on this oil spill in the Fraser River from the Samson 5, which is our floating museum that the city owns? Uh, you know, Daniel, you brought up some key points in the debate uh, in the council. And uh, the overall cost figure of a quarter of a million dollars that I've could have been used for so many different things, especially the Samson 5 um, 
we were talking about uh, putting it on land and doing whatever we can. But here we spent a quarter of a million dollars and it wasn't necessary. And that's what I'm absolutely um, surprised the council um, still doesn't think it is important that we address this uh, Samson 5 issue uh, once and for all. But perhaps let our listeners know what you and I tried to do before the oil spill. What was one of the motions? I think it was related to the uh, potential dry docking of that boat. Absolutely right. Uh, we tried to bring this motion forward and it got defeated. Um, and I believe it was 5-2 mm-hmm. uh, when it got defeated. Um, but it's such a rich uh, history that we have in Samson 5. And I think it was important that we dry docked it and 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 uh, brought it up to par uh, for uh, for a museum or something, and um, uh, but it uh, never went through. And then we had the spill, and um, luckily we didn't get fined. I believe mm-hmm. we did not. Uh, we yep. did not get fined. Uh, imagine if we had got fined. So, uh, but regardless, a quarter of a million dollars. Uh, I'm just absolutely baffled. And I think it's important for the listeners to know too, the reason we can actually talk about this is because you and I put a motion forward asking for this report to come forward. So it was you and I that initiated that. That's right. It did get endorsement from council. And that's why we're even, we understand how much it cost for the cleanup. But the mayor, uh, Mayor Johnstone had a, had a very um, uh, interesting word to continue to refer to this report. What did he call it? Fanciful. He said our, yes. our efforts were <laughs> fanciful, I think was the word he said when, he said for us to have proposed to had it dry docked, he said it, would, it was fanciful to think that this could have prevented the oil spill. Yeah. And as I mentioned, and I'm going to repeat here, that had this dry docking happened a year or two or three years ago prior to us even being on council when uh, the mayor was sitting in a council chair, it, it wouldn't have been a fanciful notion. It would have actually prevented the oil spill. What you and I are trying to do, because we've only been on council for about 15 months, is we're trying to bring forward these motions and these initiatives to get these things done. And he's correct. The odds of when our motion got passed to the time that the oil spill happened probably wouldn't have it dried up. But this was an oil spill waiting to happen. Yeah, you're absolutely right about that. You know, um, we are trying to bring motions, and one of these, and this motion itself <clears throat> about the Samson 5. Um, Again, the way the oil spill happened, it did not need to happen, but it happened. Mm -hmm. And here we are. um, But uh, a lot of our motions that we bring forward are for for this very particular reason that we address certain things that does need to be addressed. So it's item 4.8 in the agenda for January 22nd council meeting. If you want to download the report, it's absolutely there for you to read. And I would encourage the whole public to read. Um, the entire cost, because I think the mayor was asserting that it didn't cost a quarter of a million dollars, and I reminded him because he broke down the cost. He said, That's "No, right. it was That's it was right. thirty thousand here, eighty thousand." Like he was downplaying the cost, the total well, cost figure. Yeah, because I raised the fact it was almost a quarter million dollars, but the mayor proceeded to go through it and break down all the costs. And as I said to him, when you get your grocery bill, yeah. guess what? <laughs> you can have produce in there, you can have dairy in there, you can have whatever in there, but it's the total cost of whatever the grocery bill is. When I, when I, when I get home and, and I purchase groceries and uh, I tell my spouse how much it costs, I don't talk about the individual package of carrots or the, the peas yeah. or the, yeah. the, the, the steak that I bought. 
it's the bottom line. You know, uh, at the end of the day, I think especially this day and age, people do recognize, and that's why you know when when we go grocery shopping, people are not saying what they bought; <laughs> they're just talking about how much it costs. It costs. The total the total cost figure of what it costs. Quarter of a million, million dollars. Yes, dollars. quarter of a million dollars. We also had. Um, a fascinating, and before we wrap up this council roundup, I, we, we have to have a discussion on this Dubai. It seems to be, doesn't matter if I go to the grocery store, if I go to the gym, if I'm walking along the boardwalk, everyone's pulling me aside and they're asking me about the mayor's trip to Dubai. There were media there, everyone was waiting for this. It was a motion that I put forward, um, item 7.1, asking for a request for a full accounting and report back to council regarding the trip to Dubai that the mayor took as part of his environmental uh, conference that he attended in Dubai. So, boy, was that, uh, there were a lot of points of order that came <laughs> yes. in that debate. What were your thoughts on that? Uh, you know, it was fascinating. Uh, I was very surprised that the mayor recused himself. And what does that mean? So for those who don't know what recuse yourself means, what is recusing yourself from this debate? Well, in this case, uh, the mayor found himself to be in conflict of interest. And in this I think he said it was a, pecun a pecuniary conflict of interest, which right. means there's a financial... Yeah, That's right. Uh, that in itself raises a lot of questions, Daniel. And uh, part of the reason why the people keep bringing a, this topic up and everywhere I go in the city or I talk to people over the phone, they keep bringing this topic up as to they want to know more about the trip to Dubai by the mayor. Uh, let me first state that uh, this has got nothing to do with the staff or climate change or anything else. It is very important uh, for the people out there to know, uh, once again, nothing to do with the staff or the climate change. Councillor Minhas, uh, you are not a climate change denier? I'm oh, What? I mean, I've been seeing and Community First folks are putting this all out on, on air, trying to spin out that you and I don't care about the environment and we don't believe in climate change. Absolute hogwash, Daniel. Um, you know, uh, they can twist and turn the story uh, whichever they, way they want. But the reality is we have voted for planting extra trees um, throughout the city. Um, and, and this has got nothing to do with us being uh, deniers for climate change. We actually campaigned. I mean, I remember... Absolutely, we campaigned on this, uh, you know, and for them to say all this, uh, just uh, well, deceiving the people is what they're doing. Actually. It's disingenuous. Absolutely. I think it's disingenuous. I think I heard someone else... <laughs> it's a very fancy word you're it's using, fancy, fanciful. It's not in my vocabulary. No. <laughs> well, it's, I would say... But I do agree with what you're saying. Yeah, and, and I think that, you know, good try, good spin. I, I guess when, you're, when your back's up against the wall and you're facing a lot of stuff, you know, throwing out, um, you know, commentary on online and on uh, Facebook comments and stuff like that, uh, that somehow we're, uh, in, in, don't believe in climate change. I, I like that word hogwash. You know, uh, again, like I said, uh, they're making up stories, which is fine with me. And, uh, but at the end of the day, Yes, uh, there is climate change, and uh, uh, for them to even come up with something like this is just uh, beyond me. So, um, 
as of today, when we're recording this, what we do know is the mayor has now declared a conflict of interest, so he stepped away from the meeting. We were not able to pose directly uh, to him questions that we had. We had a whole raft of questions that yeah, we wanted. Yeah, and I found that um, actually, uh, uh, you know, uh, interesting as to why would the mayor, um, uh, you know, recuse himself. Um, he had questions to answer, and he should have stayed in there. And answered well, the in questions. fairness, in fairness to him, he has now publicly declared he has a pecuniary conflict of interest. So, if he has a conflict of interest, he did, as I said in the chamber, he did the right thing by declaring that he had a conflict of interest. But I'll tell you, a lot of eyebrows got raised about the fact that he left and declared that conflict of interest because the funding for that trip. If it was a city trip, if it went to the city and it was an authorized as the city, um, I, that's what surprises me that he would declare it as a conflict because it would have come to the city and then the city would have asked him to go on behalf of the city. So that's why I have so many questions that are still outstanding on this entire trip. But I'll tell you, we do have some answers to a couple of questions. Um, did he fly economy or or business class? I this should be a, let's let's do a little game show here. So because I we haven't had a, a right, I haven't yet had you any. We have a couple of answers. Well, let me look. I haven't had we haven't had our buzzer, our famous sound here. So let's play our game. We we have a little game show here on Council Roundup. So here is a multiple choice question. Um, uh, Mayor Johnstone flew to Dubai, and here is your uh, you get uh, out of three. So did he stay a at the Motel Six? Uh, Dubai, did he stay B, <laughs> well, uh, B, B at the Holiday Inn or did the mayor stay C at the Waldorf Astoria Hotel? You, you take your pick. Um, you know, it's a very tough question, but the mayor had answered this question. And yes, it was number C, uh, final answer. Okay. Astoria. Uh, Waldorf Astoria. Waldorf Astoria. Okay, let's, let's hear if, the buzz, if, the, if it's a bell or a buzzer. Ah, you got the right answer. You got the right answer. Okay, congratulations, Councillor Minas. Now, the next question in this uh, this tough uh, uh, game show. Uh, here we go. Here's the second uh, test, uh, skill testing question. So the mayor flew to Dubai. <laughs> Sorry, it's hard to keep a straight face when asked this question. The mayor flew to Dubai to uh, uh, to the conference. Uh, I, I won't even calculate the carbon emissions on that, but let's leave that for maybe a future question once we get an answer to what the carbon emissions were on that. But he flew to Dubai to attend this conference. Here is the question. Did he fly A, economy class? Did he fly B, premium economy class? Or did he fly C, <laughs> business class? You know, okay, you get, you get, you get the mayor had an opportunity. He could have done this online. What? Um, wait, wait. Okay. <laughs> <You're>, <laughs> okay. Why don't I? Okay, <laughs> Paul. Why don't I? Why don't I repeat the the, the the answers again? Did he go A, economy? B, premium class? C, business class? Or D? Did he take? Did he do it online and have zero carbon emissions as a result? So there's your four options for your answer. So what? Okay. Here we go. What's the answer? The answer is he went in business class. Uh, like I was saying earlier, he could have done this online. Um, um, there were so many other uh, delegates that did it online. Okay, we got to hear. Is it the buzz buzzer or the bell? Let's uh, go. You know, okay, so is it final answer? It's it's. I would say that's my final answer. But he went in business class. Okay, here we go. Buzzer or bell? You got it right. 
You know, you got to go on a game show. You guys, you, you got to go on the prices right. I think we're doing great over here. I, I, but this is actually not a bad game show. So, so we're 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 done with buzzer or bell. Uh, that's going to be part of our little council roundup. You get, you, I give you the question, give you multiple choice. You get to determine, and you you got to score two for nothing. This is great. <laughs> <laughs> unfortunately, they were very uh, tough. Questions. Unfortunately, they were tough questions, but unfortunately, the mayor had already answered. Those well, questions. unfortunately, but there's still a lot of questions that did not get answered. And we still don't have the answers. Uh, the people don't have the answers for these questions. And uh, I believe uh, the people are going to keep talking about yeah. it for quite some time. And I also believe that the mayor, um, if he has nothing to hide, um, then he should come out and well, give put the all put out people. all the emails, the Absolutely. correspondence. Let's find Absolutely. out. Um, let's let's get a well. So let's conclude this part of the podcast then, because we did have that motion. The motion was two part one to ask the mayor to um submit a report to council with all the details uh lights uh, itineraries all that stuff we asked the mayor to produce that because this did not get paid for out of the mayor's office budget which he does have a travel budget and he doesn't have to come back to council to get approval for that this came out of a different source so we want answers to these questions and that got voted down with the mayor not in the room it got voted down four to two <laughs> So the community first reps all voted for it and uh, uh, sorry, they voted against our motion and we voted for it. So it, it died on the order paper, but the motion got split. There was a section of my uh, motion which called for the ethics commissioner to do a um, uh, workshop with council on uh, the community charter section 105, which refers to the, the receiving of gifts and what, it, what um, the details around what happens when you're a politician and you accept gifts or how do you, uh, what do you do around that? That did get passed. So That's there's, right. yeah, so there's going to be a workshop now on accepting of gifts as a politician. Absolutely. And I think it's a good idea. I think it'll be a uh, great, uh, I know I can speak for myself that, uh, uh, I'm looking forward to it and, uh, learn as much as I can. And, and I will say that uh, what was interesting on that particular part of the debate is that one of our colleagues moved a motion asking that. <laughs> That, that was, we do a uh, workshop on the community charter. And, uh, that would have taken months. I think it would have taken months. Uh, so thankfully, yeah. that was defeated. Um, I believe uh, it was uh, four, four to one. one or oh, three to, to I can't remember. I, can't I guess. remember, yeah. Can't <laughs> remember. There was one person in, in favor of doing a, a workshop. Uh, I think it was Councilor Campbell who wanted to have a workshop on the entire community charter, which is massive. It's a big piece of legislation. Um, and and thankfully, um, the rest of council voted that down. And so Actually, it uh, got defeated four to one. That's it, four to one. Yeah, we got the numbers straight now. So, so at the end of it, when the dust settles, um, uh, or is that four to one? No, I don't five think... to one. Yeah, five if... to one. <laughs> Thank you. My apologies. <laughs> five to one. <laughs> well, part of it was I don't think Councillor McAvoy, who was chairing, had yeah. actually voted, and I think we had yes. to ask him. Yes, yeah. that's right. Yeah, so it's a bit that's a bit, right. bit, bit confusing. But at the end of the day. That got defeated, but our motion to have the workshop on the ethics commissioner thing did get approved, which is really good. So here's where now that the smoke is slowly starting to clear, we have a, the mayor's report is not coming. That got defeated. We have a, uh, literally hundreds of unanswered questions on this. We have the mayor now uh, coming out and declaring a conflict of interest and filing some a statutory declaration and, and detailing some of that conflict of interest. And we're no closer really today to getting the answers that you and I asked in the chamber than we were a week ago. Absolutely right. Uh, a lot of 
uh, questions that are lingering still and uh, that really need answers. Um, and, and I believe the sooner the mayor can have these answers, uh, the better it is for all of us in the city and uh, we can move forward. 100%. And that's what I'm hearing from the public, that they would just like the mayor to perhaps apologize, uh, say perhaps the process could have been a little bit better. Uh, more open and transparent. The public shouldn't find out about Absolutely the fact. Absolutely right. Uh, yeah. You know, uh, and the people are looking forward to these answers. Uh, it's very simple. Uh, the mayor could have come out right from the get-go. It did not need to go this way. And uh, like I said earlier, what is the mayor trying to hide? I think it was a useful trip for the city. New Westminster Mayor Patrick Johnstone says it was important for him and a senior staff member to attend the COP28 Climate Action Conference in Dubai in December. The fact that New Westminster was invited to take part in this international conference, the fact that of the half dozen cities in Canada that were invited, I think it's a sign that we're doing good work. However, New Westminster Councillor Daniel Fontaine says nothing about how the trip was funded and organized seems to have followed the basic practices of openness and transparency. This is about the process for which he received funding to go on this trip, why council wasn't apprised of it, and the whole procedures and policies around this really concern me. And Fontaine says council was not asked to approve the trip. I'd like to see actually all the emails, I'd like to see all the text messages, all the information going back and forth between staff and the mayor's office, everything that led up to this trip. The mayor says the trip was sponsored by C40 Cities. Some of its funders and partners include L'Oreal, the group of companies that owns IKEA and Bloomberg Philanthropies. And Johnstone says he has nothing to hide, blogging about it while in Dubai. There has never been a policy or practice in the city where uh, a member of council has had to seek permission from other members of council to attend work that is germane to our work on council. For some reason, it's only climate action that causes certain members of council to be concerned about me taking part and representing the city. This has nothing to do about climate change and everything to do about the process and the policies and the procedures. And the trip will be on the agenda at the new West Council meeting tonight, with Fontaine bringing forward a motion asking the mayor for a report on his travels. But at the end of the day, the public should be paying close attention to this because it could have some serious ramifications to other members of council accepting these types of gifts and sponsorships and traveling all over the world. Janet Brown, Global News. Lastly, I would like to just touch very quickly, um, as I mentioned earlier, there's a couple of motions that are coming forward to Council on February 5th. We're not going to get into the one on Port Coquitlam because that's the one to send the delegation. We talked about that earlier in the podcast, but in the few moments we have remaining, there's another motion coming forward, and that's to increase the amount of budget for the residents' associations because they're only provided $200 a year for their operations. And I can't help, as we were debating the Samson 5, the quarter of a million dollars that got literally um, flushed down the Fraser River um, because of this oil spill. I was thinking to myself, boy, some of those dollars, if that could be put into the hands of the resident associations. So the motion that we're bringing forward is to look at increasing ever so slightly the $200 that they get per year to, I think it's doubling it up to $400 and perhaps even a little bit more if they're a larger resident association. Why are you and I bringing that forward? <laughs> you know, uh, you're absolutely right, Daniel. Uh, we have talked about so many different topics and so 
so much money. We we talk about certain, like you said, the Samsung five quarter of a million dollars just wasted. Two hundred dollars. I think it would have been used very wisely by the by the residents association. It would have uh, given them more flexibility into their cost figures. But to get the people engaged, I think we need more and more of our city, the people, to get engaged. And based on inflation and everything else, when you think about it, another oh, yeah. $200 more compared to the amount of money that we spend on different things, I think it would have been very, very beneficial uh, to the residents' associations. I 100% uh, concur with that assessment. And I think that you know, we look at the money we're spending on the citizen assembly and, and how much is being invested in that. We already have, in many respects, a citizen assembly. It's called our resident associations. Yeah, they're out right. in the community. That's right. They're doing the work. They're getting together with their res their neighbors. They're talking about local issues. And that's why I felt very passionate about the fact that they need to have a few more dollars to help them. And, and I don't think it's a lot. I think even if it works out to yeah. four to $600 per association. That's right. Yeah, I think that's it's good investment. Yeah, I think it's very reasonable. And... and uh, key thing is also to I think you're building up the, the neighborhoods and the community through the residents association mm -hmm. and I think it is very vital this is how people can have an input uh, not everybody can go to the city hall to watch the council meetings or uh, things like that but here within their neighborhood they can walk to these places and be a part of it so uh, well we got your back uh, we're gonna <laughs> we're gonna try <laughs> fight hard for the residents associations make sure that they have the resources and the funding that they need to operate. Yes, absolutely right. And on that note, I know you're going to be, you and I will both be attending the West End Residents Association uh, this week. So we're going to be, are you speaking at that or are you, uh, do they normally have a Q&A with you? Because I know what some of the residents associations I'm affiliated Sometimes with. Sometimes they do. Um, I, I, I think I missed the last one. I, I was busy with something. Um, but uh, it'll be a good one and uh, I'm looking forward to it. And uh, I believe you're going with me as well, Councillor Daniel Fontaine. Thank you. I am absolutely going there as the host of For the Record and as well as the Councillor. I think it is important. The, the more we attend, uh, the more the people that can talk with us, uh, bring up questions, uh, bring up issues that uh, concern them. It is important as elected officials, we listen to them. Um, I'm not saying that we can uh, rectify every concern that they have, but uh, it is important to listen to them and then uh, see what can be done about it. Paul, thank you so much for coming uh, back and uh, making your um, your second appearance already this year on For the Record for our Council Roundup. As best uh, as we can, as we've said to our listeners, when we can and, and our time affords it, we will do a debrief and we'll do a kind of a roundup of what happened at Council. Uh, just a reminder that these are our opinions. They're not the opinions necessarily of Council. We want to be very clear that this is a... Uh, this is a podcast. It's an opportunity for us to, um, as individuals as well as uh, city councillors, to delve a little bit deeper into what's motivating us to, to voting one way or another. So, and we appreciate the opportunity to do that. You're absolutely right, uh, Daniel. Um, I am starting to really look forward every time you call me up uh, and then <laughs> say we need to do this. Um, I, I, you know, it, it gives me a chance to speak to the people and uh, it makes me feel more comfortable uh, even speaking well, uh, you raised some very important questions that are a major concern for our city uh, and the people. And uh, it is important that we get engaged. And this is a great way to not only let the people know what's transpiring, what's happening, and uh, what's coming up uh, uh, down the road. 
And speaking of that, the next council meeting is on February 5th. Uh, uh, just check at the newest uh, Minster City website. You can check for the agenda and all the reports that are coming forward. And as always, we, both Councillor Maness and I, encourage you to come down, come on down and uh, sit, Absolutely right. sit come in on the down. Yeah, come on down, sit in the gallery, listen, and yeah. perhaps uh, delegate. You're entitled to speak yeah. for up to five minutes on any uh, topic that you'd like to speak on. Yeah. And you know, uh, for the last little while, we have had some uh, uh, very key figures come into the, into the council and listen uh, to our meetings. Uh, We've uh, had some political royalty. We, we had some political royalty. Uh, <laughs> um, you know, a few councillors from the past, even... Uh, a past uh, mayor has been former mayor uh, Wayne former, Wright, uh, former yeah. mayor Wayne Wright, and uh, councillor uh, Calvin Donnelly mm -hmm. um, has been there. And I encourage uh, more former or present, uh, um, you know, royalty. If if I might, I say. call them political royalty. Yeah. Political royalty. <laughs> if they want to come on down, uh, you're more than welcome and, and get engaged. And I also want to thank you, actually. Uh, uh, for being so engaged with the people uh, through your podcast. And uh, it's a lot of fun. I've really enjoyed this episode. And uh, until next time, uh, we'll see you. Uh, we'll see you soon. We'll see you soon. All the best.